Amen. How many knows we serve a great God today? Give your neighbor a high five. Let them know that you serve a great God. Amen. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day out there. A wonderful day the Lord has given us today. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So we have a reason to be happy because uh, we're saved. Jesus loves us. Amen. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer today, asking the Lord to have his will and his way throughout the service. Amen. Sunday school at 1115. Uh, pray for all of our kids in the back, uh, that God will just move in a mighty way in Sunday school class. Uh, also remember Brother Steve. Uh, his dad's not doing real well, and he's out this morning uh, being with him for a little bit. So please remember the Pontius family uh, during this time. I believe I was told uh, he, they sent him home in his own hospice. So uh, we're praying for peace for that family and that God can still intervene if that's his will. But please remember Brother C, Sister Amy, and the kids uh, this morning as you pray. We'll take all of the prayer requests by lifting of hands. Amen. Let's go before the Lord boldly today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you today. God, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together, Lord God, with one mind and one accord. God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this beautiful day you've given us, Lord Jesus. God, we're going to take advantage of it, Lord God, in your house. Lord God, we're going to praise you, worship you, and honor you today. I pray, Lord, you'd open our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Let us be receptive and open to the message, to the word. Lord, whatever you have for us today, let us be open to it, God. I pray, Lord, you touch every hand that was lifted. You know every situation. You know every need. You know every prayer request that was sent up to you. You know, Lord God, from the smallest to the largest, and you see and you care today, Lord. I pray, Lord, you touch our musicians and our singers, Lord, as they continue to usher us into a time of praise and worship. I pray, Lord, that you would touch and bless our Sunday school classroom, our children, our teachers, that you would lead them, guide them, and direct them today. Give us ears to hear today and a heart to receive. Lord, we pray, Lord, you touch upon his family. You send encouragement, send strength, Lord, anointing and direction today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Get a couple ushers that come up today. And uh, go ahead and take up our class offering. It's a little quiet in here, but I know that just means you have your listening ears on. We'll go, we'll go there. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 through 20. The past couple weeks, uh, we taught about repentance. Last week, we talked about being born of the water, being baptized in Jesus' name. And then this week, we're going to talk about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and all those are very important in making sure that we make it to heaven. It's not only important that uh, we ourselves know that so we can be saved, but that we can explain this to others. We can explain it to our families, our coworkers, and people around us. So it's important that we have a good understanding of why we do these things. Uh, just going up and telling somebody, a friend or a neighbor or a family member, I do this because my pastor tells me to, or it's because what our church does, or it's what they believe, it's not very convincing. So you have to know it for yourself, and it's very important we do that. So we're going to start out Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. The Bible says this, See then that ye walk circumspectly, and uh, anytime I come against a word that I'm not really sure of and I don't use in my normal vocabulary, I look it up. Uh, that is careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. So it's being very intentional. It's making sure that we don't just jump into something, but as we walk with God, we walk with purpose. We look around. We say, okay, what's taking place? What's happening? Not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So what is the will of the Lord? Verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about you must be born again. You can be seated today. Here in Ephesians, verse number 18, it tells us, be filled with the Spirit. And, and what does that actually mean? So we're discussing the importance of the whole plan of salvation. And it's not one of those things that we can just pick and choose and say, okay, uh, I agree with this part, so I'm going to do this. Not really agreeing with that part, so I'm going to kind of leave that alone. I'll do a little bit of this over here. Uh, it's not like that. It's like baking a cake. We've got to put all the ingredients together to get the final results. We can't cut corners with salvation. So when the Lord looks at them, he says, you know what? You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You have to have the anointing of God inside of you. As Christians, we must be able to explain this process. As I look out, uh, I know for assuredly that the majority of the people here have the Holy Ghost. So I want us to go about this in two ways this morning. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I hope you have an understanding and you make that decision today to be baptized. If you've already been baptized in Jesus' name, then I hope that you take this with you and can explain it to somebody next time you're talking with them. That's what I hope happens is sometime this week that you see a door open and say, hey, uh, I can explain baptism better than I did on Saturday, and, and I'm going to help somebody understand this. So if we look at baptism in Jesus' name and understanding the process, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 39 is a great start. It's a great start to look at that. Peter gets up. He preaches a message. Uh, they just had they experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost in the upper room. All of a sudden, the 120, they're in the upper room. They start spilling out everywhere. You're watching people, and they're coming out in the balcony, and they're coming down the stairs and filling the streets, and they're looking around saying, what in the world is happening? And uh, they really couldn't understand it and explain it. So Peter stands up and begins to minister to everybody. Hey, this is what's happening. And as he's ministering to them, he gets to the end of his message, and he, he hears what every preacher hopes to hear. In verse number 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's a good message, Brother Samuel, when you get that response. Okay, what do I have to do now? So I'm sure Peter was excited. It worked. My message worked. And he looks at them and said, then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, everyone there. We know from Scripture that there were people from all over. It wasn't just one group of people. But it was everybody. Because it says earlier that they heard their own native tongue. So there were people from all over the world standing and witnessing this. So Peter just didn't look and say, okay, some of you, uh, this elect group over here, you need it, uh, but you guys ignore this. But he says, everybody, every one of you that are the sound of my voice, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's baptism, which is important. There's repentance, which is important, but it doesn't stop there. But then there's an, 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 an filling of the Holy Ghost. 
So I respond first, and then after I respond with repentance, God responds back with his gift. So it does take something on our part to do. And what I love about this is verse number 39, we get excited. We always exclude verse number 39, but it's very important when you're explaining to somebody the plan of salvation. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Right now we're still being called. Right now we're still getting touched by God. So this is still important for us today, just like it was back in the New Testament. Because one of the first arguments you'll hear from people is oh, that was a New Testament thing. We don't have to do that, that now. Uh, we have our own better way. We have 17 different ways expressed by Oprah that we can be saved, and we're going to be all right. So as long as I pick one of these out, everything's going to be good. And Peter's like, no. Even if you read this in the year 2022, it still pertains to you. Because now that Jesus died on the cross, he forgave your sin, he gave you a way. Now this is the only way for everybody. Everyone, if you want to get to heaven, this is the way. And as we look closely to the scripture, we, we identify that Peter is the one speaking. And I think the second thing that people would look at you and say is, uh, well, Peter is just a, a disciple. What power and authority does Peter hold to tell me what I have to do? Anybody ever hear that? That's just a person. I'm not going to have a person tell me what to do. Well, that's why you have to have a complete understanding of New Testament. Because in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, the Lord begins to speak to him, to Peter. And he says, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, which is Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven, the Spirit that's in heaven, revealed to you who I really am. And for us to understand repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, we have to understand who Jesus is and why it's so important. And Simon Peter understood that. He had the understanding. So when they ask, hey, who do you say that I am? He says, I know who you are. Verse number 18, Jesus continues, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock. Who's the rock? Peter, the understanding of who Jesus is. That's the foundation. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee what? Keys. Keys is access, understanding. Put whatever word you want to put there to make it make sense. But I cannot get into a locked door unless I have the keys to get in. And if we're looking at heaven, there's people looking and saying, I want to get to heaven, but I don't have access. I don't have the understanding. I don't have the keys to get myself into heaven. And it makes sense because we're talking about something supernatural and until we have an encounter with God, we can't think supernaturally. We can only think fleshly. I believe that's why people, when they looked at it, they thought, oh, I can just buy my way into heaven. Because on earth, I can just do that, right? There's nothing that money can't buy here on earth. I can get into a social club. I can get my kids into a college. I can, whatever it is, 
If I have enough money, I can get access to it. But those people don't have a full understanding of what it is. But Peter does. Why? Because Peter understood who Jesus was. In return, now he understands the plan of salvation because the Lord gives it to him. Verse number 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So all these other people, if you looked earlier in verse number 14, uh, Jesus looks at everybody and says, okay, who do you think that I am? And this is where we're at with a lot of people. Who do you really think Jesus is? And I guarantee if we ask 100 people out on the streets, we'd probably come up with 70 different answers of who they really think he is. And that was the same way here. He said, hey, fellows, you're out there, you're talking with people. Who, who do people say that I am? They gave all kinds of names. They said, hey, probably John the Baptist. I, I've heard that one time. Someone else spoke up. I actually heard one time someone called you Elijah. That's how rumors start. That's what this all is. It's rumors. People with not a clear understanding. They're, people want to think that they know what they're talking about. So They stand up and they said, ah, I know who it is. That guy's Elijah. Someone else said, well, he's probably Jeremiah. He's Jeremiah reincarnated. Other people says, ah, he's one of the prophets. You know, we have those major prophets. We have those minor prophets. He's like somewhere like mid-prophetess. They heard of him. They heard he'd done great things, but without a relationship. They did not truly understand who he was. That's why when we talk with people, we have to say, listen, for you to really understand who Jesus is, you got to get close to him. you got to have a relationship with him. Not just seeing him from afar off, not just sitting back in a pew and listening every once in a while, but the reason Peter understood who Jesus was is because he got real close to him. He had access to few people had access to. Now that I'm in church and now that we know how to pray, I can now have that same access that Peter had. So when someone talks about Jesus, he's just not some mythical creature that I read about in the Bible. It's thousands of years old. But to me, he's alive. Why? Because I've experienced him. I know him. I have a relationship with him. And that's what we have to tell people. You've got to know Jesus for yourself. Because just listening to somebody else isn't going to convince you that you need him. I can't serve him based off of what my mom and dad did. I can't serve him based off of what grandma and grandpa did. But there's got to be a time and point where I know him for myself. So that's what Peter's identifying. He says, hey, Jesus, I know who you are. In return of knowing who he is, he then is granted access to the most important thing on earth. And that's how to get to heaven. Because isn't that our ultimate goal? Why do we wake up every morning? Why do we come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? What's our purpose in life? I hope it's not just to live 75 years, it's average, and then die and waste away in the ground somewhere. But I hope there's more purpose than that. And we've got to identify that purpose within us. The reason there's breath in your body and the reason you're at this church is because God allowed you to have a relationship with him. And now it's our responsibility to take this relationship and the knowledge that we have and not just sit on it, but to go into all the world, preach the gospel. It doesn't mean you need a big boom box and a microphone and begin to 
yell at people? We were somewhere one time, and there was this dude with a sign that says, you're all going to hell. Sinners. Like, good grief, dude. You don't even know me. They tell me I'm going to hell. That's why people don't like church people. My goodness. Don't go around telling everybody they're going to go to hell. Now that they need to know that there's some things that need to happen, but if you start off with that, you've probably lost whatever respect you had. Here's another thing. There's no reason to get in a big argument over this. You're going to lose your own Holy Ghost, and you're going to lose respect with people because you get in a name-calling match. That wasn't worth it. Our responsibility is to plant seeds. There is no way I can beat this into your head. Because if you really minister to somebody and you do Bible studies with people, you'll watch that moment that light clicks on. And you can't force that light to click on. But it's through revelation and understanding. And I cannot give somebody revelation. It's got to come through heaven. I can lead them there. I can teach. I can preach. I can minister. I can explain things. But it's for them to accept it and then to open up to it. So Peter understands who Jesus is. He's able to preach the message on the day of Pentecost that he preached. He says, I have the keys and the way. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized. You've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. Where did all this come from, Peter? Well, I was close to Jesus. I remember the moment that he talked to Nicodemus, and we talked about this last week. John chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And we know Nicodemus' response. How can somebody be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb for a second time and be reborn? No, that's not what it is. But he's saying again, verily, verily, it's important here to listen. I say unto you, except a man be born of water and spirit. Water is the easy one. You look all around and you see people be, seeing people get baptized in water. I, I can't tell you how many kids I've had just this past school year come up to me and tell me, Mr. Thornburg, guess what I did this weekend? I got baptized. It's beautiful, but it just doesn't stop there. We've got to go a little bit further. We've got to go a little bit deeper. I'm glad if you've been baptized, that's wonderful. But there's more. If you have family that's been baptized, that's wonderful. But don't give them a false sense of security that it stops there. Speak to them in the right way. Hey, listen up. I'm so glad you were baptized in Jesus' name, but let me tell you what else there is. That's just the beginning. You haven't got to the best part yet. When you open yourself up and allow Jesus to live inside of you, and you feel his peace that pass all understanding and his joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, that's what, that's what you want to get to. Let me tell you how to get to there. Exciting, make it fun. Don't regret it. Don't frown all the time. If you're depressed and not happy, I don't want what you have. So Jesus is looking here and talking to Nicodemus and says, Listen, it's vital. It's vital. It's vital that you understand this. It's vital that you're baptized in Jesus' name. It's vital that you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because if not, you won't enter into the kingdom of God. It's that important. 
that important. When the day of Pentecost came, there was a noticeable difference between those who stayed in the upper room and those who were just passing by. There's a noticeable difference when you walk out of here and you're touched by God and you walk out here and you were a spectator. There's a noticeable difference. On the day of Pentecost, nothing like this had ever happened in Jerusalem. It was foreign to everybody. Men and women poured out from the upper room, walked down the steps into the street. They were ecstatic. Faces were glowing with joy. Words of praise to God tumbling from stammering lips. You know what that feels like. I just feel so good. I don't know how to explain it. I just got this permanent smile on my face. And it's not fake. It's a real smile. They were noisy. Noisy enough to draw a crowd of pilgrims who had traveled to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost from all across the known world. As these festival goers gathered, they were amazed to find these Galilean Jews who were known for having little formal education. Very little education, except they knew foreign language very fluently. Can you imagine that? Being in a place, never experienced it before, and you're looking at these people like, oh, they're crazy. And all of a sudden they start witnessing to you in your tongue. Where did that come from? You, you don't have that kind of education. You don't have that kind of You've you never been to where I'm from. So how can you fluently speak my language? It was a testimony in itself, and it was enough to grab their attention. Because when God moves, it grabs people's attention. Something's moving. Something's different. They didn't have a full understanding of what was happening, but, boy, they wanted to stick around to find out. And as they started going through it, uh, uh, the crowd looks around and starts making fun of them. What does this mean? And they start giving some examples and some, some ideas. I know what's going on. These people are drunk. They started early. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They didn't want to wait. They're having a good time. When we look at it and we think they were being mean and rude, no, they just didn't understand. Don't get offended when somebody looks at you and doesn't clearly understand. They've never experienced this before. Oh, you bunch of crazy people. What's in that handkerchief? Is it? Come on, the reason that they have those excuses and sayings is because they've never felt it before. They don't understand what it's truly like. So what they need is for somebody that's experienced that knows what's going on, to stand up and to minister. And we have to be those people. All of us. That day, those people were like, hey, what's going on? You know what Peter did? He walked through an open door. Because they were asking, I've got a question. This doesn't make sense to me. And Peter stands up. As they're saying, oh, they must be drunk, and he says, hold on a minute. They're not drunk like you think they are. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They know better than that. But what they're intoxicated with is the presence of God, and they are full of that. And he begins to minister, and he tells them about what happened with Joel. 
you know, if you know your Bible, you say you know your Bible, but you really know your Bible, Joel said things like this was going to happen. Joel chapter 2, verse 27 through 29, it's a prophecy fulfilled. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 28, it shall come to pass. After that, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants, upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. An understanding of Scripture isn't taking one Scripture out of context. Informing it and fitting it into what I believe and what I want to make a statement with. But being able to have an understanding of Scripture is being able to go back in the Old Testament times and saying, hey, look, here it is. This is what Peter was referring to. Right here it is in the Bible. It's not me. It wasn't Wes. It was Joel that spoke about this. Long before anybody ever knew about Jesus, long before anybody ever heard about baptism or infilling of the Holy Ghost or Day of Pentecost, anything like that, long before all that, Joel said it was going to happen. And because Peter understood it, that's what he was able to minister. I understand what's happening right now. Jesus spoke on it. Joel spoke on it. And here it is. Fulfillment of the prophecy. Jesus told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem. Now it's time to respond to the prophecy of Joel in the words of Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Ye heard of who I am. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Again, people had no understanding of what the Holy Ghost really was. People had no clue how long it was actually going to take. All it said was, hey, wait here. Be patient. Terry, don't move from this spot. That alone is a miracle in itself. Be patient. Stop. Quit moving. Stand. Yes, you stop. We don't know our kids for being ADD and ADHD. Minister a message and watch how many people get up. Wait. Don't move. There's something great that's happening. Something great is going to be poured out if you're willing to wait for it. Because Brother Rick, they didn't have an understanding of what they were waiting for. They didn't truly realize it yet. They knew it was going to be something great because it was coming from Jesus, but they didn't really understand the impact of it. They didn't really understand what it was going to make them feel like. Anybody ever get caught with one of those? People are hype something up so much, and you go to it, and you're like, oh, that, that, that was worth a two-hour wait. Well, that was fun. Did I miss it? Driving down the interstate and you see these signs, boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden, there it is. It's a house. 
seen a house before. But these people were willing to stand because they were hungry for something new. Understand, there are people that are out there that are hungry for something new. They're hungry and looking. That's why people spend millions of dollars on self-help books. Because they know they're not where they want to be, but they don't know how to get to where they want to be. They spend all this money on counselors and guidance, and, and they go to all these seminars because they're missing something, and they don't know where to find it. But yet we're holding the key. We're Peter, every one of us. And we're holding the key to what they're looking for. They just don't know it. And they're waiting for one of us to take an open door that says, oh, I have an opportunity to walk through and talk to them. I have an opportunity to tell them about the goodness of God. I have the opportunity to explain to them what it means to really get the Holy Ghost. Not just a couple goosebumps. Not just getting dunked in a water tank. Not just showing up to church a couple times a week. But I'm talking about a relationship. When Jesus lives down inside of you, and you don't have to be at church on Sunday to fill him. And you don't have to be listening to music to fill him. But wherever I'm at, I can come into his presence and know that he's right here with me, inside of me, and I can feel him. That's our job. That's our duty. Tell somebody about it. It's easy to step back and blame everybody else. Well, you should have done it. Well, you should have done it. Well, why didn't you do it? Well, why aren't you doing it? It's all of our responsibilities. Why? Because we've all had that same encounter with Jesus like Peter did. And we have that understanding of who he is like Peter had. We look at the cross and we get excited because it offers grace and mercy. Grace and mercy are byproducts of the cross. And I'm thankful for it. Because if it was not for mercy and it was not for grace, probably none of us would be sitting here today. But we get excited and we tell people, oh, God is so gracious. God is so merciful. But another byproduct of the cross is the infilling of the Holy Ghost and having access to his presence. So if we're going to take time and moments to talk about the grace and mercy of God, we might as well just add this Holy Ghost piece to it as well. Don't be ashamed of it. There are people. But I, I don't want them to know I'm, I'm one of those crazy people. If they quote crazy people. I, I don't want people to know that I'm one of those people that speak in tongues. So I'll, I'll talk about church on Sunday. and I'll talk about the grace and mercy of God. And I'll, I'll be praying for you every time you say something's going on. And Don't let anybody find out. I go to an apostolic. I just go to heritage. Just, just heritage. Just church. But we've got to be willing to let people know there's grace, there's mercy, but there's so much more. There's infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because like I said before, Acts chapter 2, verse 39 lets us know, for this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call, it is for everybody. It's for you. It's for me. It's for our family members. It's for our coworkers, for the people we meet at Walmart, for the people we meet walking down the street, our neighbors, everybody. 
can have access to this. We can complain that our world is messed up, but we have the antidote. We talked about it last Sunday. Can I believe it? We have two ways to look at what's going on in this world right now. We can look at this whole world as it is going nowhere and it's horrible and all these negative things. It's destruction. Yeah, look around, it does look like that. But there's also another prophecy that says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Come on, we're living in those days. So we can focus on the issues and the struggles and the destruction and all these issues of everybody falling away. Or we can focus on the promise that there's going to be an infilling of the Holy Ghost and God's going to pour out his spirit like he never has before. Which do you plan on focusing on? Because the issues and the problems are easy to focus on. Or we can say, no, I want revival. In the midst of all this, I'm going to keep my head up. I'm going to keep a smile on my face. I choose to not focus on all that other junk out there. That was going to happen. Don't be surprised that that's happening. If you know your Bible at all, that all makes sense. We were somewhere the other day, and a big sign came up and says, we've moved to cashless. Everybody's getting all worried. I don't want to be a part of that. You're already a part of it. My Lord, you got a debit card. I don't know the last time I went and got cash out because it's not convenient. But it's to be no surprised because it says that we'll be a cashless society before Jesus comes. It tells us it's going to be like in the days of Noah. There's going to be all kinds of horrible things happening. But in the midst of all that horrible, there's still a promise of salvation. There's still great things. There's still an anointing. God's still calling people. God's still saving people. He's not pulling back in the worst times, but he said in the worst times, I'm going to be even more prevalent. My anointing is going to be even greater. And it makes sense where sin does much abound, grace does much more abound. That means the more sin in the earth, the more grace that God's sending. The more of his presence, more of his anointing. Excited. It's a good thing. It was no coincidence that this first spirit outpouring happened when the day of Pentecost was fully come. The feast of the feast of Pentecost, also known as the feast of ingathering, was a harvest celebration. It was called the day of first fruits because on this day the people of Israel were called to begin bringing their offerings or first fruits to the temple. So on the day that they were bringing something to the temple, God brought something to them. Mm. That alone will preach. When we're willing to bring some stuff to Jesus and take time and saying, God, this is what I have to offer. I don't have a whole lot, God, but what I'm bringing you are my first fruits. When we begin to head towards Jesus and you're willing to hand it over to him, that's when he opens up and says, because you made the first step, I'm going to make the next Stand all across this place today. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 through 12 says this, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. This is the refreshing. Yet there's going to be something, some people, that will not hear it. 
And you know what? If you come across somebody like that, don't stop. Move on. You planted a seed. You did your job. Thank you. Now move on because there's somebody right behind them that's hungry and thirsty and waiting. Keep ministering. Keep preaching Jesus. People may not like it, and that's okay. I wonder real quick, put somebody on your mind, on your heart, whether it's a relative or a coworker, anybody. Maybe it's a group of people. I wonder if you close your eyes all across this place and just begin to ask the Lord, God, give me an opportunity. God, give me an opportunity to witness to my coworkers. God, open a door like Peter had opened for him. If you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, I stand here with this microphone letting you know that now is your opportunity. Today can be the day of salvation. Today you can walk down to this altar. You can repent. We've got water right over here. We can baptize you in Jesus' name. And he can fill you with the Holy Ghost before you leave here today. He can do it all. Why? Because he wants to. Come on, somebody take just a couple minutes and pray. Lord, help us, God, to be sensitive, God. Help us, Lord, God, to be bold. Help us, Lord, God, to have an understanding of baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, Lord, God, so we can explain it to other people, so we can witness to others. God, help us, Lord, God, not to pass by people that are hungry and that are thirsty. God, but let us be willing. Let us be like a Philip that's willing to go out to the desert place to minister, to bring the Word to somebody that needs it, to bring the Word and understanding to somebody that's hungry, and wanting to know more. God, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, that we have a revelation of who you are. Thank you, Lord God, that we're saved and we're bought by the blood of the cross. God, but help us not to keep this to ourselves, but help us to witness, help us to reach out. Lord, we love you and we praise you. God, if there's anybody here today that needs the Holy Ghost, needs to be baptized in Jesus' name, God, give them the courage, Lord, that they need to make the move. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You're dismissed for just a couple minutes. Come back ready to praise and worship.